We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's 8.08 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Well, normally in this hour, we have Professor David Schultz. He is still in China. In fact, I've been texting him tonight, and he is still in China. He's been teaching there for a couple of weeks. He will be back next week, and I cannot wait to talk to him uh, about all of the things that have happened. And goodness knows what's going to happen in the next week in these volatile times. So David Schultz will be back next week. Uh, This half hour, though, I I wanted to talk about a a really interesting situation. I don't know if any of you followed uh, the events that unfolded when the president was in France, in Paris, and he was invited by the new president of France, uh, Emmanuel Macron, to come uh, and visit for the Bastille Day festivities. And uh, the new president of France is, is a younger man. He's 39 years old. And his wife, Brigitte Macron, is 64 years old. It's a 24, 25-year difference. Well, it's the same age difference as President Trump and his wife, Melania. I think she's 47 and he's 72. Obviously, the the roles are reversed. And when um, President Trump uh, arrived in Paris to greet uh, President Macron and his wife, Brigitte, he said to her, she's a very attractive woman, very slender and, you know, of course, beautifully dressed because all the French people know how to dress. Mm-hmm. I meant that. He said to, to Mr. Macron, the president, she's beautiful. She's in such good shape. And it has created sort of a flap because people were like, well, was he saying that she's in good shape for somebody who's 64? Or would you say that if she wasn't 64? Or, you know, uh, Chelsea Handler, I think, said um, – uh, the bottom line is that you shouldn't hold it against the president because he doesn't realize that women can be 64. Anyway, that's just Chelsea Handler's take. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting departure for, for, for age differences in relationships in this day and age. And I'm so pleased to have Teresa Benoit. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of the Relationship Therapy Center. She's joining us right now. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And, and and Benoit, isn't that a French name? It is a French name. There you go. Okay. All right. Like Viva la France. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let, let me ask you, um, what what are your thoughts about this? And, and does age kind of, you know, in this day and age, can a woman be much older than a man? Does it matter? I mean, and, and, and what about, I mean, because this is actually, you know, in terms of you know this French president, he's thirty nine, she's sixty four. He was she was actually his former high school teacher, right, which I think is a critical part of the whole story. Right, you I know, mean it's a really interesting story. Thirty or something that would be still a huge age difference, but a really different thing. You know, now we're talking about a power difference in our state. It would be statutory rape. You know, a fifteen year old that's just crossing lines in so many ways. Right. Now, um, now they say that they actually, obviously, they, they waited until he was 18. Yeah. Maybe, right? But I, Who but knows? It's okay. Still, but it's still, um, 
I, I feel like the power difference makes a big difference, you know. Now, later and, on... And, ob- I- and obviously there are... are we, we, and we do it, it, it comes up almost on a monthly basis. Where, and I don't yeah. mean to, to justify in any way, uh, you know, a situation involving a, a teenager and, yeah. and a teacher because we, that does come up on a regular basis, whether it's the, the woman teacher or the mm-hmm. male student or the female mm-hmm. student and the male teacher mm-hmm. or sometimes it's the female teacher and the female student. Mm-hmm. It, it is inappropriate. It is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. There's no question about that. But, um, and I've seen situations like that in my office. And usually the adult is not actually feeling like an adult inside. They experience themselves as a teenager. So it doesn't seem so wrong to them, even though to the rest of us, yeah, you're the person in power and you're the adult, you know. Right. But it's interesting how that can get really twisted for people. Right. But yeah. but but that being said, I mean, let's try and take that out of that there. That part out, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in terms of a relationship where it, it is not uncommon, mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, for mm-hmm. men to have mm-hmm. maybe it's a second wife, a, a much yep. younger spouse. I've I've seen that. It's less common to have a woman with yeah. a much younger husband. Yeah. And but, but, but do you see that? Yes, that's what I see too. And I think that's because when you think about what creates status in our culture, if you're male and you have money, you have status. And if you're female and you're beautiful, you have status. So it just makes sense that you might see that kind of a pairing where the man is older and the, the woman is younger. Right. I, I feel like that's just way more common than this relationship that's reversed. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you see in your in your counseling service, and we're chatting with uh, Teresa Benoit, she's a licensed marriage and family therapist and the owner of the Relationship Therapy Center. Do you find, is, is age an issue for some couples? Yes. Oh, absolutely it's an issue. Now, I'm not saying it is, these couples have way more issues than any other couple because, trust me, you can be the same age and have lots of issues. <laughs> but lots of times you're in a different life stage if you're talking about 24 years. And so things like having kids come up or well, Certainly, if, if the woman is that much older, that was yeah. that, that's a problem yeah. because women can't have children after, yeah. you know. But even when it's the man that's older, he's in a different place in his life, like raising little kids, he just might not have the interest and energy in the same way. He might already have kids from a previous relationship. You know, actually, I did see an article, I think, in the New York Times, which said that um, in some cases when um, a man for the second marriage, when he marries somebody who's younger, part of the agreement, which I don't quite understand, is that they're not going to have another family. I think that's... Because he's already... He doesn't want to. Yeah. He's done with I mean, that. it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, he's looking into retirement and thinking about what his life is going to be like like that. Yeah. Right. What What about, um, when do you see it sort of, you know, how do people come to you and, and sort of wonder about it and, and question about it? And do some people sort of question whether, you know, what are some of the questions that, that come up in, in your practice? Well, people rarely come in saying, hey, I'm worried about this age difference. But what they come in saying is, I feel like our relationship dynamic isn't working. Like, my partner is always controlling and telling me what to do. And in essence, is kind of acting like a parent. And then the other person is saying, my partner is so irresponsible or drinks too much or acts like a teenager. 
So it's this relationship dynamic, which frankly is pretty common. We see that across the board. It's called an over-functioner, under-functioner dynamic, where one person is just a little bit more of the parent and the other person's the teenager. But in this kind of a relationship, it seems even more exacerbated because one person actually has had more life experience and right. does have more resources, and they do kind of act a little bit more parental. And, you know, sometimes that's fine in certain categories. I think all of us could relate to having some different, you know, roles, but it can get really out of whack where it's not healthy anymore. Right. In terms of, um, you know, do you ever see situations where where the woman is older and the man is younger? I mean, I feel like I can mention, I can think of one that it was a huge, you know, a pretty huge age difference. But yeah, no, it's not very common. Right. It really isn't. And, And why do you think that is? I think it's the status thing. I just don't think that that's what people are attracted to. I think younger women hold like the physical beauty is still more of a thing. And, and yeah, I just think women want a man that's more established, you know, if you're, do do you have situations where people come to you where, um, you know, they're going into a relationship and and they're being asked to sign some, a prenuptial agreement? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and I, I imagine that probably is a thorny issue for some, many people. Yeah, I mean, it's very different couple to couple. Some couples don't seem at all concerned about that, and both parties are on board. Um, but especially when there's this age difference, oftentimes the person that has had, <laughs> puts more in the bank actually wants the prenup, you know, because they have more to lose if a divorce happens. Yeah, and it can get quite challenging even at that engagement stage because are we planning for a divorce? It's right. That's, that's almost what I've, I've always thought about <laughs> yeah. that, that like, you know, if you sign a prenup, it's, it's like you're, yeah. you're already thinking about getting yeah. divorced before you're even getting married. Right, right. Right. Uh, but, you know, statistic-wise, divorce rates are high, so maybe there's something to be said for being planful. It, are, are divorce rates still as high, you know, I mean, you, you... Well, let me tell you the truth about it. So, you know, you hear the 50%, and that is accurate, but it's not accurate for first marriages. So first marriages, it's about 40%. And when you look in different socioeconomic groups, it varies tremendously. So if you have access to a lot of resources, the divorce rate goes down a lot. When you're talking about second marriages, divorce rates are going up to 60%. By the time you're in third or fourth marriages, divorce rates are just up much, much higher. Really? Yeah, so so it gets a skewed, you know, the 50% is a bit skewed. Okay, so so in other words, because that, that takes in, into account, um, yes. you know, all marriages. All so you're yes. saying if if you have been married a number of times, yes. the, the the chances of getting divorced are higher oh with as, oh as you go up in the marriages, really. And I think there's two reasons for that. Number one, the first marriage causes problems for the second marriage, right? Because maybe you had kids in that first marriage, and you're still relating to your ex. But the second is, I would argue that many of those people maybe many of us, period, don't have the prerequisites to have a healthy relationship. They don't actually have those skills. And so they just think, well, I'll dump this partner and I'll find this better partner, but they still don't have the skills. So they move into the second relationship. And And the same problems come up. (laughs) Or it's different problems, but but they still don't have what it takes. You know, there's really like two skills that people have to have to have a successful relationship. And a lot of us just never learn those skills. And what are and those, those skills? Those skills are, number one, you have to be able to know how to bring up an issue 
effectively in a way that doesn't blame your partner. And you have to know how to handle it when your partner is being difficult. Mm-hmm. Yes. So are things to learn. <laughs> and I think there's some people that grew up in such healthy relationships with their parents that they just naturally learned all that. But most of us have to actually put some effort into learning those skills. Otherwise, we kind of <laughs> bumble through relationships and, and make mistakes in those two areas. Um, in terms of, you know, going back to the age issue, um, you know, obviously we, we began by talking about like significant age differences, but mm-hmm. do you think, you know, it, and it used to be, I think sort of more, there was like a four or five year age gap, um, you mm-hmm. know, with, with, um, the woman being older, that that mm-hmm. was sort of a big deal, but I don't feel like that's as big a deal anymore. Those yeah, I don't think groups, so either. Age gaps. Yeah. I, especially if they're in the same life stage. I, I don't think four, four or five years in the same life stage is, is an issue. I mean, I'm not noticing any of that. Right. You mean in, in terms of so, so somebody who hasn't had kids yet and... Yeah, still, right. So it would be a big deal if like one person is just um, finishing high school and the other person has an established five-year career. and it's, Right. You know, but yeah, if they're both kind of at that same stage, yeah, it's fine. All right. Interesting stuff. Any other thoughts about sort of age differences in relationships that you see and patterns that, that you know, people should be aware of? I just think when you're signing up for a relationship that there's a significant age difference, you need to know that you're taking on a whole lot more than a regular relationship. Now, I'm not saying don't do it, but just really think through what extra things are you going to have to consider that you that you wouldn't if you're in the same age. Right. Right. And and so you have to think about what what, in terms of their age, what are they confronting at this point? What are they confronting and what will that mean for me? In terms of as the relationship goes on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Obviously makes sense. Well, listen, Teresa Benoit, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Teresa Benoit, uh, licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of the Relationship Therapy Center. All right, folks, Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock, uh, along with Kevin Reed, our studio coordinator. Uh, a lot more going on here. We're going to have to take a little break. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk with Nate Waters, who is a cider maker and owner and the Minnesota Cider Guild Vice President. This this guest is inspired by none other than our first studio coordinator, Jonathan Lowe, who was uh, giving cider and Minnesota cider a plug. So let's take a quick break. Uh, as I said, uh, more ahead on News Radio 830 W. It's 8.26 in the Twin Cities. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll give you some weather and then uh, later on, We'll chat about the bustling and booming cider scene in Minnesota and really across the nation. Cider is taking off. So we're going to talk about that. Obviously, uh, well, we had this discussion with Jonathan Lower, studio coordinator for the first couple hours here. And I think he's going to join me for this discussion about who has the best apples. Jonathan weighing in perhaps on the side of Washington State. I don't think so. Jonathan. No, no, no. It's Minnesota, of course. But anyway, we're going to talk about cider, how it's made, how popular it is, how even the ciders, and some people say that they shouldn't really be called ciders, but that pear and berry and all kinds of fruits are are part of this process. And I guess you just have to, I'm not sure how you do it. I know that if if you get the regular cider in the fall and you just keep it in the refrigerator long enough, it turns. 
Uh, and I don't know if that's uh, the magic behind cider. Uh, we'll find out uh, coming up in just a little bit. Also want to invite you to tune in to WCCO-TV Sunday morning, 6 a.m., 10.30 a.m. My friend Mike Augustinak and I, also Rachel Slavics, our reporter, uh, we have a lot of fun, um, and I think we have a pretty good show here, uh, 6 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Uh, we'll have all the news, the weather uh, coming up at uh, 10.30 a.m. We'll have uh, a couple of guests, uh, Professor Richard Painter, who is uh, an ethics expert, actually was the legal counsel to George W. Bush, President George W. Bush in the White House. Uh, he weighs in on some of the ethical issues involving the president, current president, Donald Trump. And also uh, DHS Commissioner, Department of Human Services Commissioner, Emily Piper, on this Senate proposal, uh, the health care proposal, that a lot of people are criticizing, both a lot of Republican and Democratic governors are weighing in, expressing concern about the implications for Medicaid. And that's a big deal here. I know this gets complicated, but Medicaid, we're one of the states that I, I know Obamacare has a lot of people who are not happy with it. But one of the things that happened under Obamacare in a lot of states, including Minnesota, is they expanded Medicaid. So what does it mean when the, pre, the, the GOP Senate health care bill is proposing some pretty serious cuts in Medicaid? A lot of experts say that's going to adversely affect us right here in Minnesota. So we're going to talk about that on WCCO-TV Sunday morning, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. All right, folks, uh, we are going to take a break. It's been pretty steamy this evening. It was actually felt kind of crisp almost this morning. And then, whoa, did the, the temperatures and, and the dew points really skyrocket. So we're going to take a break. We're going to give you some weather. And then on the other end of the break, about cider in Minnesota and what's new, what's uh, hot, and, and what's coming. So keep it here. News Radio 830 WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It's 835 in the Twin Cities, Esme Murphy, along with uh, Kevin Reed and Jonathan Lowe, talking about cider. And this conversation actually started a few weeks ago. Jonathan, what was it? It was what, what was it? A, a, a brewing convention that was here? I can't remember exactly yeah, what it was. It was a home brewing convention that was that was being held here. And you previewed it the weekend before it okay. happened, I believe. And, and it was a big event. I mean, there, there were you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people expected. And then we kind of got on to the tangent of cider. And you were like, now that's my thing. Yeah. In <laughs> um, part because you're gluten intolerant, but yes. you were saying, hey, everyone needs to explore cider. And Everybody, a lot of people are exploring cider these days because uh, it's exploding. Let me just say, I love getting people over to my side, number one. It's just <laughs> it's just a great feeling. But for people that aren't really into the beer taste, um, they don't – I'm not. Yeah. And, and they don't really – yes, there are uh, more craft brews out there that are bringing up different flavors. But cider is something where if you have just a taste for a certain fruit, for an apple, for a pear, yeah. for you know, in the fall for a pumpkin, that is going to be geared with that specific taste in mind, uh, yeah. rather than have adding the hops and the barley and all that. Well, it's so big, and I know that you know, um, I, you know, I've do, you know, I've done a number of interviews with uh, my friends over at uh, Haskell's. Uh, you know, on, on the situation downtown Minneapolis. And they're just saying that cider is going through the roof in terms of sales. Joining us right now is Nate Waters. He is a cider maker and owner of Keepsake Cidery, and he is the vice president of the Minnesota Cider Guild. Nate, thank you so much for coming on. 
Hey, thanks for having me. All right, and uh, you know, I've got this wonderful um, uh, printout here that shows you know your family. Um, you've got the keepsake uh, cidery there that's just south of the Twin Cities. How did you get into cider? I got into cider because I wanted to go apples. It's um, that simple. I wanted to be an apple farmer. I was already farming vegetables. And um, my mentor, who I learned how to farm vegetables, diverse veggies, he always would tell me, never plant a seed without knowing where you're going to sell that vegetable. And I thought, well, I should apply that to apples. And I realized it's a pretty good way to use apples is making hard cider. So All right. I went toward that direction. Now, how big is, is – I feel like cider was sort of not on the – you know, horizon, um, you know, even 10 years ago. I mean, how big has cider gotten? Yeah, it, it wasn't. You know, when we, it's funny you use that word 10 years ago, it was about when we started to think about this idea. And when we started writing a business plan, we thought, okay, we're going to be spending so much energy just telling people what cider is, right? You know, instead, it's in that 10 years, it's exploded. Um, it's one of the fastest growing sectors of the craft beverage and alcoholic beverage in general, but definitely craft beverage um, sectors. Uh, and now it's just keeping up. You know, now it's just trying to uh, find your space on the shelf. I mean, it is one of the biggest, most exciting growth uh, sectors in the, in the, in the beverage market. Uh, it's, it's hard cider in America. All right. And I've got with me uh, Jonathan Lowe. I mean, you are a cider fan. What what kinds of and, – and you have all different – I'm looking at, you know, Keepsake Ciders has all different kinds of ciders, including it looks like – Ciders mixed with a little bit of spirits. What what is your favorite, Jonathan? Like in terms of the type of cider? Well, I, I, the apple is going to be one of the standard ones, and so you, I like a sweeter taste. So I like some of the national brands that tend toward maybe an Angry Orchard, uh, maybe a Cider Boys. But there are other ones that you can have that are drier. Uh, one that's uh, sold in this state is Loon Juice. That's a, right. a particularly dry cider. Um, so it depends on your taste. If you like a drier sort of, uh, maybe not bitter, but uh, less taste uh, in, in that particular cider, you have your options there. Uh, Crispin is another one, for example. And then if you, have your, if you want a little bit sweeter taste, a little bit more flavorful taste, you have your options there as well. All right. Nate, tell us about Keepsake Cidery and, and where we can get Keepsake Cidery. And where does that – I mean, Jonathan kind of mentioned a spectrum of different kinds of tastes. What kinds of ciders do you make at Keepsake? Yeah. The, um, I mean, I really like what John's saying. It's pretty indicative of a large part of the market. Um, you know, people do like the sweeter ciders, but people are finding out that there is such a thing as too sweet um, and that apples – they want apple, but they don't want this overly sweet product. And, you know, local Minnesota ciders, you mentioned Loon, and there are many others, um, from Keepsake to uh, Milk and Honey and Sweetland, um, Sapsucker, Windfall, Urban Forge, all these great ciders in the state. Um, Hoke Orchard is making one. We, we are all trying to make these ciders that really showcase the apple and trying not to bury it up in sugars. And we still think that they have... Uh, as much complexity and as much accessibility as maybe the larger brands. Um, particularly, we sort of go, we, we do a very natural cider. We don't add sulfites. We don't add flavors. We don't add sugars. The only sugar we've ever added was honey from the same guy that has bees on my property. Um, I was stung many times by those bees. So I felt like I earned <laughs> that. I earned that honey. Um, but that's just how we do it. But um, it's not, I'm not saying that all local ciders don't have sugar. They do. 
Um, but we try, we instead, I've noticed, I'm, I'm, as part of the Minnesota Insider Guild, I'm really proud to say that not only Keepsake Cider, but Minnesota Insider in general, we're really trying to showcase the apple. And Minnesota grows amazing apples. Um, the orchards in Minnesota are are some of the best in the country. And um, the ciders we make at Keepsake, uh, we want to let the apples do the talking. Um, so we, we tend toward the drier side, but we do have a semi-sweet. Um, for example, I'm drinking tonight, uh, semi-sweet that's just our cider back sweetened with our cider dried out. And this is a semi-sweet, just a little bit of sweetness to it from again, fresh apples and just, it's just cider and yeast. Uh, and, uh, I would put it up toe to toe with any national product. All right. Now let me ask you, I'm just like thinking like sort of back in the day when I would like as a kid and we bought like the cider from, you know, the, the, the apple farm and then we left it in the refrigerator and it stayed there too long. <laughs> and then it's like sparkly and a little funky tasting and it'd be like, I know it's become hard cider. I mean, how, how do you actually go about making it? Yeah. Well, you hit, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. So at its base level, it's very simple. It's just leaving cider to its own devices, right? The sweet cider that you bought when you were younger, you left it to its own devices. There's yeast all over the place, and the yeast starts acting on the sugar, and boom, you had a slightly sparkling uh, cider. That is the simplicity of it. But just like beer or wine, uh, there's a simple way of making it, and then there's a lot more complications if you want to try to make it um, uh, consistently and at a higher you know, quality level, complexity level. Um, it's, it's, it's like a wine in that we just take fresh juice and we ferment it. Um, keepsake, we ferment it from anywhere from six to 12, 14 months. Wow. Uh, much like, a, much like a white wine. Uh, we use white wine yeast. We use white wine tanks. Um, we, we, again, we press our own juice here. Um, we, it's much more like a wine, but at the same time, I don't want to overcomplicate it. It, it is at its base, it's a very simple uh, scientific process of just letting the yeast do its thing. There are definitely a lot of tricks to the trade to making um, a clean or making particular types of flavors. Um, but, you know, I don't want to overthink it. We don't want to let the apples do the talking. And and one of the things that's that's great about the apples being the main cause, the main the main. Uh, starter for ciders is you have different varieties of apples, so you can have. And Minnesota apples are the best, Jonathan. They are. <laughs> I, I mean, they are, are. I mean, doesn't Minnesota have some of the best apples? Period. I've told Esme uh, that that he's, he's think, like trying to give me this thing about Washington, Washington State, State apples. State I'm like, go, no, Washington State Jonathan. is going to really, really have a beef with Esme Murphy about this because hey, we're not in Washington State. It's Minnesota apples. I mean, you know, University of Minnesota has developed all these amazing apples. I mean, if, from okay, let me ask you from a cider perspective. I mean, is it great to be here in Minnesota with the great apples? Um, well, first, I'm going to say this, Esme. Washington State's going to go up against me and you. Um, it's going to be a, a big battle, but I'm willing to take it. If you if you got my back, I got you. Absolutely. All right. I'm um, just saying, living in Washington State for four years of my life, no. I, I, I understand where they're coming from. Nate Waters is, with Keepsake Cidery, Cidery and I are, are like on the same page. But, but seriously, does that help to have great apples? Um, it does. The thing is, so the truth is Minnesota has a wonderful tradition of apples, um, but those apples were meant for eating. The Honeycrisp is a true treasure. It's our state apple. It's an incredible eating apple. Um, well, not my favorite. One of my favorites is obviously the Keepsake, which is also University of Minnesota apple. And just a side note, one of the mothers of, of Honeycrisp. Um, and I would, I would welcome everybody to try Keepsake apple. 
but they aren't necessarily the best cider apples. Um, really? Okay. These, these are great eating apples. They make decent cider. The best cider apples bring more complexities. Um, so our orchard, I'm more orchard-based. Again, I got to grow apples and fruit. Um, and then I started making cider because I decided that's what I want to do with my apples. So our orchard has apples like Honeycrisp, Sweet 16, which I think is an awesome Minnesota apple. It's very underrated. Um, chestnut crab, Harrelson. Um, but we also add a lot of other old heirloom apples. You know, some of Thomas Jefferson's favorite apples, like Grimes Golden, Esposa Spitzenberg, um, Cox Orange Pippin, Blue Paramain, then English apples like Yarlington Mills and Chisel Jay Z and Dabinette and Bulmer's Norman. Um, these wow. are all <laughs> these are all the apples that make amazing cider. And we and a couple other orchards like Milk and Honey, um, Sweetland, um, again Hoax, Maiden Rock over in Wisconsin. Um, we are trying to see how those grow here. So not every apple makes great cider. I'm not saying that you can't make cider out of every Interesting. apple. Interesting. Okay. Um, but there are apples that are horrible to taste. Eater apples that would that Honeycrisp puts to shame, but those apples, you put those in a cider, and it's some of the best cider in the world. Well, I guess that makes sense because, you know, for instance, like certain, you know, not every pumpkin is, is great for, like, cooking. Exactly. Um, so uh, that makes sense. Let me ask you about the other fruits because apparently there's some controversy in the cider world about um, other so-called ciders, pears, um, berries, are those ciders, in your view? Um, well, so uh, there is a lot of controversy about what cider is. It is it's a really amazing market to be in. Um, again, it's exceeded my expectations as far as growth. Uh, we're just trying to keep up now. Um, personally, I, I don't – there is a lot of people like – you're right. You're, you're, you're a finger on the pulse. There is some controversies about what real cider is what real cider isn't. I just tend to – fall back on, um, you know, the federal government has a, a definition of what cider is, and that is uh, a cider that is based um, on apples or or pears. When it's pears, it's called perry. Um, so ciders and perries. And then Paris, it okay. is allowed to, it, we are all allowed to add some fruits. Um, for example, here on the farm, we have currants. We will probably eventually add a little currants. There's a great cidery, uh, number 12 cider house. Uh, in Buffalo, they do an awesome current cider. Um, these these ciders are allowed. Those are ciders. And in my book, you know, I, I feel like the government's done all this work and they've defined it for us, and we can work on it slowly. But for me, those are all ciders. I'm I'm um, I'm more interested in uh, in making a great product with local fruit. We're dedicated to local fruit personally. Um, but as far as the controversy goes, as long as it's called cider by the federal definition. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm going to be okay with that. Uh, and like I said, it's apples and pears, and then you can add some fruits as long as you get the okay. It is a very regulated market. Okay. Wine is a very regulated uh, beverage, and cider is a wine. Cider is regulated like a wine. Oh, didn't know that. Um, how much, like, how much cider do you produce at Keepsake Cidery, and how much does Minnesota produce? Do you have any idea? I do have a pretty close number. Um, we are, so we are like 16th, I think, or so, somewhere in the teens of, of, of in the country. Um, like New York State has the most cideries. Um, John, you'd be proud to know that I think probably Washington produces the most. Um, but we produce uh, about, you know, not much more, I think, than 250 
thousand gallons or so the state that don't don't quote me on that exactly but it's somewhere around there i can't remember i, I do i do have a survey around here somewhere yeah. but is that and growing every year yeah, it is um it is it, it has we, we had a boom it was really funny about three years ago when we started i think seven cideries started that year um which for this area was a boom and it has tapered off which i think is pretty natural um, as far as people opening but there are new ones opening every year um, and we are expecting a large amount of growth um, and a large amount of use of, of local apples. Um, so, so yeah, I, for us personally, we produce, we're very small. We want to stay small. We want to grow slowly. We want to focus on really making high quality um, ciders. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So we, we produce about um, somewhere between 10,000 a year, six to 10,000 gallons of cider a year, which is a small, a small cidery, small winery. So uh, just talking about the cideries and basically that kind of business that is specifically dedicated to ciders, do you find a lot of competition going up against, like you said, wineries? It's compared uh, and regulated just like wines are and other breweries that are trying to dip their toe into creating ciders. Yeah, um, that's a great question. That is the question. we. That's one of the biggest questions we're all talking about uh, on the Minnesota Cider Guild. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, as far as wines go, I'll start there. Um, today I spent all day at the Kennan Falls uh, Wine and Art Festival. Um, it was 12, uh, no, almost 14, sorry, 14 local cideries and wineries. Um, and about 70 Why didn't I know about that? That sounds wonderful. <laughs> uh, it, it is awesome. I mean, it's going on tomorrow, too. Uh, it was, it's a fabulous event. Anybody listening, um, definitely check it out. Uh, it's beautiful. It's down on the Canyon River. Um, lots of art, lots of music. Or this guy's like walking around doing violin, but um, which I love. And, uh, and yeah, so it was a really collaborative event. I mean, I was talking to winemakers. We're, they're talking about making cider. Um, we're talking about making wine. It's very collaborative um, on that front. And breweries, I'm a, you know, I'll, uh, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I, I, um, I'm a beer guy. I love beer. I love a lot of. I have a lot of friends in the brewers world. I think uh, Minnesota makes amazing cider, and it's getting better and better. And I'll say that Minnesota makes amazing beer too. And I'm proud to be part of the craft beverage uh, well, spot here in Minnesota. So I think there's some competition. Yeah, there's some definitely. We're we're talking with some brewers about just making sure it's a fair, equitable market, and make sure everybody's making a fair, equitable product. But for the most part, we we love being part of the Minnesota craft beverage world. It's a a good spot to be on as, as a business. And I think I'm hoping everybody's agreeing it's a good spot to be on as a as a as a consumer. Well, well, Nate Waters, uh, cider maker, owner of Keepsake Cidery, and vice president of Minnesota Cider Guild. Um, we're going to let you give your product a plug. Where can we find Keepsake Cidery ciders? Yeah, so I make the cider and I grow the apples. My wife does the sales, and she's doing a great job. We're um, we're about 130 locations. From as north as Blaine, so far we've gone to, and as south as Rochester, but all over the Twin Cities, all over the suburbs. Um, again, a few places in Rochester. Um, and also, you can come out here to the cidery. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's real laid back, nothing fancy, just me and... In Dundas, family. Minnesota? In Dundas, Minnesota, on a dead-end road, get off the beaten path, or surrounded by the Cannon River Wilderness Area. You know, just a pole barn and a lean-to, and um, we have cider by the glass, cider by the bottle. We're open Ooh. on Saturdays. Uh, noon to six, and then Saturdays and Sundays during the fall, we'll have apples and pumpkins. But we're open now on Saturdays, and um, it's a good time. Uh, but that's, that's a great way to get to know the cidery and the orchard, and a little more about the process. Just coming right to the right to the source. Well, very cool. But, All right, and again, it's keepsake 
Cidery, Keepsake Cidery. Nate Waters, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It's really right. a pleasure. I feel like I need a cider, Jonathan, don't you? I will be looking for some keepsake. I'm going to help that young well, well, man out. We're gonna, we should look for some keepsake cidery. All right, Jonathan, thank you for joining us here. Um, uh, it really is. It, it's kind of a cool thing, and I know that it's big in, in you know European countries, certainly in Ireland, and it's it's kind of cool that, that it's really taking off. Interesting, though, that what he said, and I guess it makes sense that the, that the apple that might be great for eating might not be – isn't the best for the cider, which makes sense as well. And Anyway – Kind of a cool thing and great to see that it's taking off in Minnesota. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's uh, grab a cider and toast each other. <laughs> we don't have cider here, unfortunately. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to News Radio. It is 8.56 in the Twin Cities. The cider discussion continued in the break with Jonathan talking about a, was it a blackberry pear cider? And what, what did, I think our cider expert said that that's called a perry. If it's got pear in it. Anyway, I think something kind of cool and kind of neat to see that it's uh, really growing here in the Twin Cities. I remember when I went to the Saints game at the new CHS field. I guess it's not that new anymore, but they had an area devoted to craft beers. And I'm not a huge beer person, but I did try, and I can't remember which Minnesota cider it was. And I thought, gosh, this is really Really great stuff, and it's featuring, you know, fresh, crisp Minnesota fruit, and this is so good. And it's kind of neat to see that it's really taking off and and really such a success all over the place. Well, listen, I really want to give a shout-out to um, our producer, Susan Blanche, who just does a fabulous job on weekday afternoons uh, on the morning or the afternoon drive, and she just uh, does an awesome job with any show she handles. I really want to give her a shout out. Also, want to thank uh, Kevin Reed, uh, our studio coordinator for the eight o'clock hour, and Jonathan Lowe, the studio coordinator for the six and seven o'clock hours. And Jonathan, also thank you to you for coming in and weighing in on the cider discussion. I was kind of glad about that because actually, when I suggested it to Susan as a topic, I was thinking about Jonathan because he was the one who. Uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about beers and home brewing, he was saying we got to do something on, on the cider scene, and I'm glad that we did. All right, folks, uh, have a fabulous uh, Saturday evening. Uh, I will be on at WCCO-TV, 6 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Please tune in there. Keep it here, News Radio 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 